and welcome to 10 Very Big Books, a Malazan read-through podcast. My name is Peter Bond. I've read every book in the main series. However, my two co-hosts have not. With me today is my friend and closest confidant, India Jones. Hello, welcome. And our very own face in the rock, it's Joshua Baker. What up, it's your boy. Okay. Uh, we're here, House of Chains, book four. We're doing it. New year, new me, new book, new season. But before we get into it, we had two quick points of business we want to get out of the way. First off, from this episode forward, we launched a Patreon. There's a link in the show notes if you want to contribute and anything to help to make the show. That said, we are in a time of pandemic and there's a lot of important causes to support. So we understand. But if you want to help us continue to make the show and make more of it, you can follow the link in our note. We have a few tiers and nice stuff to go along with them, but mostly we're going to put out another episode of the show each month up on the Patreon. We have a lot of ideas of things we want to try, maybe talk about the chapter poetry more, different books or movies, and we'll do more role-playing there. But most importantly, for our first month, Peter and I are going to talk about the Lord of the Rings films. I'm watching them for the first time, and we thought it would be fun to talk about, or more so Peter thought it would be fun to talk about. Well, you you seem enthused when I pitched it, so I don't want to make it seem like... Listen, I'm just a team player at the end of the day. Yeah, but I don't want... But like, you said yes. Do you know what I mean? It was a cooperative Peter, decision. Peter, I could never say no to you. I could never say no to you. <laughs> don't... No, no, don't say that to me. <laughs> anyway, um, that was just that point in business. Much love. Here's our second point. We have a secret. AJ's been on the show the whole time. He's here right now. <laughs> gotcha. Here I am. Hello. How, how are the... Uh, th- that's right. It's our producer, AJ. How are the bars? How are the levels looking? Bars are looking good. Uh, levels are looking also great. The waves? As, are as they always. wavy? The waves are so wavy, dude. Surfing. Well, <laughs> um... <laughs> Sounds so excited to be yeah, here. So ex- <laughs> Contrary I really to how am. he sounds, I'm, I'm, I'm elated. I'm elated to be here. Very simply, uh, AJ had a hoot reading Memories of Ice, and he wants to hang out and contribute to the show. So uh, I think the conversation's still going to be mostly about the three of us, but AJ's going to hang out and chime in. He's got some quotes I think he likes sharing, and he's got a. Uh, he's he's going to. Share his own, uh, get a little, little producer takes in here. You know, get some, uh, get some producer thoughts. Yes, I'm extremely excited. Uh, I maybe have some, I don't have any quotes for this week, but maybe I'll come with some quotes. We'll see. So I'm very excited to be here watching here. you guys record. <laughs> yeah. He's in the shadows. Yeah. That's all our business. Let's get into it. We're, we've cracked open volume four. We're reading House of Chains. Hmm. I'm excited. <laughs> I'll, I, I'll take the prologue. I'll take the prologue. It's nice and short. You're going to do it. Damn, wow. dude. It's super short. You can do it. Yeah, Ooh, yeah. I forget what happens in this prologue. It's been like a month. There's a spoiler if you read, if you're like, who is Troll Sangar? And you, and you go to the uh, the uh, cast list, It's there's a spoiler in there. So don't do it. Oh, yeah. I saw that also. Yeah. You guys always look at the cast list. I just like let it happen. Whatever happens, yeah. happens at this point. <laughs> right. Yeah, honestly, right. that's a better choice. Yeah, truth. All right, here we go. <clears throat> prologue. Troll Sangar, a traitor to his people, is dragged through a drowned world. His brothers and kin escort him. And after denouncing him, they slash him across the face to exile him. He is left, and the wall of water he waits on will soon break. Josh, 
how much of this prologue meant anything to you? Uh, what's less than none? Is that, are we working with that? Like that negative space? I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, listen, it was really cool. I learned a lot about this unnamed people who I'm sure are important and I will eventually know who they are. And by a lot, I mean, I learned absolutely nothing about them except they're weird. They're brothers. So, they're, they're brothers. brothers and their world's dead, I guess. And whoever that bad, like I read this like two weeks ago. Whoever the bad one was, I don't like him. He seems like bad news. Inge, did you get anything out of this prologue? Um, only a question about, I was trying to understand and not understand at the same time. The, the chains that were on him and the one in his mouth. What did that look like? Yeah, I didn't have a super clear image, but it seemed think, very disturbing. I think it's interesting that like contrasting this prologue to the prologue from Memories of Ice, you know, it is just such an entirely different type of thing. You know, it's very short. It's very about tone in some ways, you know, and then we move into this totally unrelated thing. So I just think it's a little it's just it's interesting. That it's a little niblet compared to book two and three, which had such larger like meaty prologues that like set the stage for all this stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't I mean, know. I, I don't know if we actually have that much to say about it. So yeah. also, Pete, you say all that, but like when I read the prologue of memories of ice, I was just like, oh, I don't know what the fuck this is. Like it was about the same, but there was like a huge story there. Do you mean like you, there was like a lot of different things? Like, I guess, yeah, there, there were, there was more characters than one guy and his unnamed, like, you know, brethren. So yeah, you're right there. You're right with that. All right. I just don't understand why put him on the wall. Like, what? What is the I point think of he's, I think the idea is he's going to die. But, like, why would he, Why would we have to learn his name if he's going to die? That would that would suck. I hope he doesn't die. Specifically so I didn't learn a name for no reason. And you've never <laughs> done that before in this series. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's keep things moving and get, uh, get into the true meat of it. Chapter 1. Faces in the rock look down upon the Tevlor, accepting sacrifices. Karsa Orlong, a young barbarian, reflects on his grandfather's great raids on the lowlands and his heroism. Karsa contrasts this with his own father's cowardly domestic life away from the field of battle. Karsa wants to lead them back to the old ways and will begin by taking his two friends on a raid of the town of Silver Lake. He vows this to his gods, the faces in the rock. As he leaves, the seven rise and speak of the vow, believing that Karsa may be able to free them of their last chains. Karsa returns home to his father, who grants him the horse Havoc to take on his raid. They argue then about glory and blessings. Karsa rides off and finds his friends Bareth Guild and Delam Thord. They speak of a woman, Dallas, who carries Bareth's child but Karsa makes claims to her. The found watch them leave. Karsa's father and grandfather eat together and the conversation quickly descends into a fiery argument. Karsa and his friends ride together and make camp to discuss how they will cut a bloody path to Silver Lake. Karsa insists on riding during the day to spread as much violence as he can. In the morning, they encounter riders from another Teblor clan. There is a bloody melee, and they slaughter the other riders, but one child who is left free to sow seeds of hatred. 
Karsik continues this bloodshed against the Rathet clan, and he plans to lead the warriors straight into Sundland, stirring further conflict between the Tablor tribes. The three warriors come to a village of elders, children, and women. They attack, and they round up the women. Karsa declares his intentions and brags of his lineage. The chief's wife speaks of how Karsa's grandfather, Palk, bowed his head to pass through this village. Karsa ignores her, and beginning with the chief's wife, they rape the women of the village. Karsa rapes the chief's daughter, last and refuses to hear her name and calls her Dalis. Afterwards, they ride on and encounter a pack of dogs. Karsa duels and dominates the leader, and the dogs submit and follow the tableau. They make camp that night and speak of a myth of the river of ice that flowed through the valley. Bareth says he is content to follow Karsa. I'm sure, Inge, after you put down Memories of Ice, your first thought was, what is going on with the barbarians in northern Genabacus? Obviously. So we come to a totally new setting, we meet a totally new character, and we're just in this new space. What's your impression? How do you feel? Where are you at? Okay. Um, this, this scratched an itch that I was, I was waiting for for four books. Um, what? No. So just a few preliminary questions about these people. Okay. So let's start with age. That's my most pressing question. Kars is like a young dude. But he's like 80? Yeah, they, they allude to it when um, he says something like, the, the children haven't been visited for 400 years, not since his grandfather. And that's like the first hint that like, oh, these dudes are like, they're all very long lived. So are they like humans? Are they like superhuman? Because they like he- they heal on their own. They age strangely. Do they India, look if old? I, India, if I had to guess, I because I texted this to Peter like the first day I started reading. I have a feeling that they are related to or descendants of one of the big races that we've heard about. And but, but they don't, you know, we they're not they don't call themselves whatever that race is. That is my guess. They're definitely not human. Okay, okay. And do 40-year-old children look like children, or are they just grown men that are children? I don't know. I guess I called him young because he acts so incredibly, like... Yeah, he feels like a 20-year-old. He's an angsty teen. Yeah, he's, like, such a... Angst. Yeah. He's just, yeah. So, so he, he acts so young. I guess that's where I was at. No, and but I just was... Because I'm just wondering now, like, is he, though? For them, I don't know. Regardless, I don't really. It, that was just confusing to me. Not really confusing, just I wanted to understand it more. Sure, sure. Um, like, who are these people? Yeah, but I think that <clears throat> it, I'm just very confused about them so far or their motivations. I don't, I just don't understand why he, and he wants to kill these people for no reason. Where are they? Like, is there is there a purpose yet for why they they have to go and make their gods proud by killing people for no reason. Are they just, are they in it for, you know, land? Do they, do they want to just own things? Like, what, what's the vibe? Can you tell me that? Can I know that? What do you think, Josh? Uh, I, I would say, India, that the thing is that most of them don't want to do this thing. And it's just that, like, a couple of them, i.e. Karsa and his grandfather, are, like, clinging desperately to this idea of the old ways. 
and how those ways are the best. And they do include, as they say, slaughtering children. Right. So it doesn't really feel like, 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 you know, he makes this big deal about his dad being like this weenie. But, like, no one else has done anything either. So it's really, it really just feels like Carson is just kind of like, this is what we do. And everyone's like, no. But then, like, Except why did his, his friends go with him? And they're not even friends. That He's not very nice I to can, them or care answer, about their wedding. I can answer that. One time Peter said, yo, let's, Josh, what if we just, like, hiked up this mountain that people die on? And I went, Peter, I don't, well, all right. Like, it's very easy if someone's like, let's do this to go, okay. Oh, well, I hate Carson. to where I'm at. How are you feeling about him, Josh? About who? Carsa, oh. the main. <laughs> um, you know, he does a lot of things that I fucking hate because they're undeniably sure. terrible. Um, yeah. But uh, you gotta, I mean, look, dude, the dude has, if he's got one thing, it is self-confidence and assurance in spades. You know, he's, he's very, it's very hard to not be like, I mean, not rooting for him. I'm not rooting for him to rape people and slaughter children, you know? So I, that's, that's out there. But like, I mean, it's pretty wild to hear him say, like, I'm going to do this insane thing and then just do it. it so. Yeah, yeah, me too, Ange. Um, <laughs> you know, he is he. Uh, I love his father and grandfather and I love their conversation. His dad and is the only sane human being. Well, and I, it's clear that like his like insecurity about his manhood and like, you know, proving himself are, are all wrapped up in these weird daddy issues he has. Do you know what I mean? And that is like spurring him for further in this time. And um, I think especially I think uh, it's tough because I kind of almost want to talk about both chapters. But yeah. um, in this chapter, boy, is he is just peak unlikable. I mean, oh, what yeah. A, oh, yeah. What a truly loathsome person. I don't, not loathsome, but yeah, I don't know. Loathsome. But yeah, I would say he does nothing in this chapter that makes him redeemable as a as a character yet. He's just yeah, he's very yeah. He's just so I don't, I don't know, man. I would also like to talk about um look, the dude's fucking dumb, right? Major dumb. Right? He is like I could not get over him be like being like, "Well, listen, I know that the girl I'm in love with routinely sneaks off with my big dopey friend and that they share secret meetings, but I know they definitely haven't fucked and there's, and you know, she'll come around. And it's like, how thick do you have to be for that to be like your whole idea? Like, I, I don't know. It was wild. Yeah. And obviously all that stuff with her is so, I don't know, misogynistic and loathsome. Do you mean? It's just, you know. Literally horrifying yeah and then when he tells the chief's wife and daughter like oh yeah and you should go live where oh i live now god. so we can raise my children there I'm like oh my god kill me this is oh my, my nightmare god. yeah it's like truly terrible yeah. yeah he's shitty but i'm excited to talk about the next chapter because i feel like i have a lot more to say about that one besides like he he sucks yeah you know I mean? we were really we, this was really just a an opening i feel like there but not much went on here we just learned we're just it's an opening game but that yeah he's a bad person yeah. here you know daddy yeah, issues yeah. made him made him shitty and yeah. oh i i also want to say we, uh, the one part of this chapter though that i was very into uh was when he's not in it um and instead the <laughs> the, the seven yes. faces oh, in the rock the faces in the rock oh, i got it we got to talk about that like that was that was very interesting. That uh, the, all of that. I yeah, where's your head at with like that scene of them? You know. So I mean, 
Well, we know a little bit more from the second chapter, I think, is when we learned a bit more. But in the first chapter, I think where I was is that they were seven people who died. And because it seems like everyone that's part of the Tebblor is in some way a bit stupid, they were like, our gods, they're here. Mm. I, I don't know. How did their faces get in the rock? Like, who carved that? Mm. You know, so maybe they were important and their faces got carved. And then over time, the carving went from like, oh, historical figures to gods. I don't like that, I guess. But like, oh, hey, here's a weird question. Did the Tebblor have a written history? Uh, well, they find all those glyphs. Right, they find the glyphs. Is that this chapter or next? That's in the next chapter. We'll right. Talk about it but then. like, it seemed like they were, I mean, it seemed like they were very not used to reading like they can, you know? I think what's so interesting about this is if like this whole plateau and this whole little adventure truly feels like a World of Warcraft starting zone. It, oh, it's super, I mean? it's either starting zone or it's the DLC for like, a, like an RPG. It's just like we're in the little pocket. There's these different parts. There's it's just like there's this whole world. And it, I think I think Erickson does this awesome job where slowly, especially in the second chapter, you learn about like the jagged and the Talonim, like how this whole zone kind of has this history in the background. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's very compelling. Yeah. Well, um, just a final question that's really random. Um, why were the seven gods all mangled up? Is that a secret? I have no comment. Okay. I don't think we know yet, India. Got it. Yeah, that's, I, I don't know. Before we move on, AJ, did you want to take a chance to hot dunk on Carsa? Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm just I think saying we, all, we all were kind of getting in there. You yeah. know, I just wanted to give you the shot. No, I think you guys uh, pretty succinctly dunked on this fool. It, he really is just like this weird zealot. <laughs> Uh, who just loves to to stab? And I'm well. We gotta go back. We gotta go back to the old ways. Back to the old ways, dude. Ways. Gotta go back to the old ways. Yeah, it's it's so interesting to me because it seems like he, like Josh said, he's the only one that is into it. Uh, and even as Bayroth and Delam get more into it, they're still not really into it. They're just kind of into it because they're with Karsa and they're like, yeah, now, fine. Now I do want to say. I don't think Bayroth and Delam get off scot-free because, oh, I mean, what no. they are agreeing, you know, they are just along for the ride, but the ride they are along for does involve rape and killing children. Sure, sure, so sure, sure, sure. Yeah, they, it's not good. They are, they're zero. They are fully morally culpable. There yeah. is no scot-free yeah, okay, for good. them. I'm glad we're on the same page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. But uh, yeah, that, that, that's all I have to say. It's all, it's all shitty. <laughs> well... Let's uh let's blow the conversation a little more as Carsa gets uh leads them further along on this journey. Chapter two. Carsa, Bareth, and Delam avoid the remaining Rathid villages. They find a cave called the Bone Pass, covered in glyphs telling the history of the Teblor. It describes Talani Mass, Ikarium, and the laws of isolation telling their people to forget all but their most ancient legends, to live simply and live like raiders. They start to recognize the clan names and stop reading. Nights later, they near Sund land. At camp, they speak of the Teblor as a fallen people. They speak of the birth defects in the Teblor and how their people ought to live. Bareth argues with Karsa about Karsa's family. Karsa demands a fight but Bareth refuses and ends up apologizing. They come to Sun Land and see that the Sun have been raided by the Lowlanders from Silver Lake. Karsa will lead them in the name of vengeance now for the Teblor. As they ride, they encounter a strange multi-limbed hand emerging from the stone. Karsa identifies a demon from the Teblor legends called a Forkasil. 
They recall ancient stories about both this demon and Akariam laying laws down for the Tevlor. Barith believes they should free the demon, and they do. They lift the slab up and free her. They speak only briefly as she awakes. Eventually, she declares she is a Forkroll assail named Calm. She severely attacks Delum and then speaks of her and Kars' futures. Then Calm flees. Delum now rides with the dogs, a careless warrior. Karsa and Barith argue together over their path forward, the woman Dalis, and what should be done, but they are interrupted by lowlanders. The group attacks and the barbarians survive, but will chase after the one surviving guard. Barith agrees to follow Karsa forward, and they find a narrow staircase of bones off the plateau, and will follow it down towards Silver Lake. In the morning, the three of them prepare. Barith paints Delam's face to prepare him for death and they ride towards the village. There are far more soldiers than expected. They ring an alarm bell. Their horses jump the walls of the village, and they battle. Barrett's horse and Karsa's own horse, Havoc, are killed. Karsa watches Delum be cut down. Karsa jumps off a platform and ends up impaling his shoulder. The lowlander who had escaped speaks to him. He says Karsa's grandfather came down off the plateau and didn't raid them, but he was sick and nursed by the villagers. Karsa is wrapped up in chains and brought out into the streets, where they meet Master Silgar. Barith is wounded and tied to a wheel. Barith has refused to help them and is killed, but not before yelling, leave me, war leader. Karsa is brought to the slave pit and chained to a tree trunk. Karsa thinks of Barith's death as he uses an arrowhead to try and free himself. Karsa stops when the tracker Damask enters. He is the man who had escaped him earlier. They speak of the Malazans and conquest. Damask leaves and another slave speaks to Karsa. He speaks of his time fighting the Empire and helps Karsa try to break free of his bonds. The man's name is Torvald Nam and they are united in their opposition to the Malazans. Karsa works to free himself, and then he sees some of the Sunnid Teblor have been enslaved. Karsa is disgusted by them, and thinks of the decay of their clan. Eventually, Torvald frees him, and the two escape the pit. Torvald plans to flee by foot, but Karsa will not. The warrior will have his bloody revenge. He destroys an altar, invades a home, killing children, and then rapes a young girl. As he awakes, the slavers have already ridden out. Karsa leaves, but is captured by the Malazan forces led by Sergeant Kord. They plan to take him prisoner, and he will likely be sentenced to work in the Otateral mines of Seven Cities. Torvald has been captured by Silgar as well. Then the Malazan captain kindly returns, and he arrests the bounty hunter Silgar for bribery. Karsa is snared by a magical net by the Malazans, and he feels himself being weakened by it. All right, there. The, I feel like this is there's so much meat in this chapter. I, I'm I'm very hot on this one. You know, I feel like to be to be to be candid, the first one, I just like I'm like man, this dude sucks. You know, yeah, oh, this yeah, dude sucks sure. hardcore. And this one, I just think he still majorly sucks in this chapter, you know, 
but I like there's more interesting things to think about besides like this dude sucks, you know? Right, right, right. So to start off, they encounter this bone cave and we were talking a little about the glyphs and we learn about Ikarium, who is here and we learn about the Talani mass. So how do you feel about learning more about this history that we had mentioned? Well, so this was part this was part of the reason why I feel like the Templar have got to be some sort of descendants of of one of like the the main players that in in the before time. Um, I don't know. I found it very interesting because we know from the second book we've and a little bit from the third we vaguely know that Akarium has traveled to like many many civilizations and he yeah. has saved many he has obliterated countless others because that's what he do so i don't know i found it very interesting like i i know that there's a whole history of like the first book all i give a shit about is like the malazan history right second mm. book little bit more info on some stuff the third book it, it, the third book is when i start thinking like okay so we've got current shit, and then we've got millennia ago with the crippled god shit and Kalor and stuff. So this is like hinting at that in between, you know, like the last sure, sure. several thousand years of Akarium traveling and probably some important events that are leading to that, like have led to a lot of these things that are happening. So I don't know. I was very interested in it. And I love I love that, like, they, they like have this language that they're reading and there's like some glyphs that they don't understand, but they can kind of be like, well, our best guess is it kind of means this. I don't know that, that that's perfect for me. That's like classic fantasy shit. Yeah. Um, Inch, how'd you feel about learning the history of this plateau uh, and with the Talani mass? And then they kind of end up arguing about it and kind of having a conversation about what, what their civilization should be like. Whoa, whoa, whoa. How, how, how'd you uh, connect to this? I didn't at all. I still have a very... I, I don't understand where Akarium was or how he played into it. Reading it, it, I tried. I really, really tried. I don't know what he did. I don't know when he did it. I don't know how... Like, what the point of them even mentioning him was in this. I'm not sure what he did. If it, whether it was like before he was like good, if he was ever good or I don't know. I'm, I don't remember him very much or what, or that part of the, I forgot what book it was where he was involved. I just don't know where in his journey he was there. I just, and I know I read his name yeah. and I was like, oh, I remember him. Yeah. But I just, I was, I, I had a hard time making that connection. Yeah. Well, it's, it's definitely off-screen ancient history that is, like, being hinted at here. Do you know what I mean? And it's these parts of the book that I wish I had more, like, I was more well-versed in because I do want to have, like, those little light bulb moments or, like, moments where it's like, oh, wow, I was really wondering what happened here, like Josh has, and it's just, it doesn't happen. It still hasn't mm. happened, and that's so, it, it makes it more, I think, difficult to understand, like, and I did try to read it two times to, like, to absorb it, and I was just like, okay, I got to keep going because this, so... Uh, yeah, I feel you. I feel like it was more clear to me on my second read through. Mm, I mean, yeah, so I, I do. I, I know what you mean. I really love this section because to me, talking about the ideology that undergirds this uh, Karsa's character and some of this Tebler civilization, right? And, and there's this great uh, line here. We must forget our history and seek only our most ancient legends, legends that told of a time when we lived simply. In the forest hunting, culling fish from the rivers, raising horses, when our laws were those of the raider. And I think what's so interesting there is um, 
you know, it's portraying this this pursuit of a people who chose to go backwards, you know, who chose to defy progress and to be like, things really should be how they were hundreds of years ago. Do you know what I mean? Right. And, and it's just interesting to see that laid down and then to contrast that against what we already saw when we were kind of in Tebler civilization in chapter one. Do you know what I mean? So I, th- I found that very compelling and especially with, you know, like this, let's go back to the old way is let's like go murder and turn our turn our other tribes against each other. Do you know what I mean? I feel like this made me really more connect with what was going on underneath the plot here. Um, after they leave here, Inge, they go and they encounter this demon calm, and they free the 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 Forkrell assail. And what what, what you take away from this? I, can I raise my Can I raise my hand for a please, second thing? Please raise your raise your hand. Are the Forkrell Assail one of the four races, the elder races? Yes. Fucking knew it. What okay. is it called? Cool. They're called Forkrell Assail. The, I think they're the only elder race we haven't met, maybe. I felt pretty yes. confident, but I wasn't positive. Josh nailed it. Shut up, guys. Josh, do you, do you, do you got it. And they're they're called founding races. Founding you races. There we go. There we go. Whatever. You're good. Hit, Josh, hit me. I'm trying. Like, oh, let's do oh, it. Oh, it's the Talon, the Jaghut, the Forkrell Assail, and the Kachin Shamal. Hmm. Nice. What the fuck? How do you know that? I don't know. Okay. Um, anyway, I don't even now know that what that's question, done. What, what, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> the, the, so they f- they free this four-curl sail. Yeah. What do you think? Um, I thought that was stupid. I would never see a many-limbed hand in the ground and say, Breach. oh, that was put there for a reason. Let me let it out. Um, so I, that just, I think. You're obviously not Carso Orlon. <laughs> Yeah, literally. I, I don't know what that is. He's just insane, man. He's just so crazy. It's like a galaxy brain play. Like, let's let the demon out. No, then, it's not. I, I, the whole time I was like, why? I know. And then it, I don't know why it killed or injured the friend. Like, for what? Also, yo, Carson is real quick to be like, well, listen, Delum should have known not to draw his sword. If it bested me, what hope did he have? Fuck you, Carson. I know. He had it coming, Josh. <laughs> and I felt so bad. And oh God, that's why he's not a good friend. Honestly, that's really. He is not a good friend. Bad friend. friend. <laughs> that's what did it for me. But I feel like the him being a bad friend is nowhere near his biggest problem. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so my biggest concern. But I don't understand. Like when she came out and she was like, yeah, you're going to be so, like, you have a purpose and your friends need to protect you. La di da di da. First, like, how do they, how does she know this? One, two, where did she go? Three, why will they meet again? I just feel like this is not the end of us and calm. I just feel like no, she's coming, she coming back. back. I don't know where she went, but I think that she's not gone. I thought it was weird. I just thought it was, a, I don't know why anybody would do that. I mean, I guess you have to, to make books happen, you know, create yeah. some conflict, but. Hey, <laughs> now here's a, I have a, I have a question about this whole scenario too. Hey, what's brain juice? What's that gray oh, brain juice? Brain matter. Is that what that was? Was yeah, it gray matter? It was brain matter. Yeah. Oh fuck, that's gross. She hit him real hard. Mm. Yeah, I think his death is like what is my. It makes me sad. Mm-hmm. You know I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't know. It's. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> his death. It's just a bummer. I feel like he know? pretty much died when she uh, knocked his brain out. Oh and yeah. Then, yeah. And then he actually died. That was just sad, yeah. But I'm intrigued to see what the hell she meant. I really love the talking in, like, I don't know, what do you call those things? Riddles, I guess. And then eventually something happens and you're like, oh, so that's what she meant when she said no such thing that happened now. 
Got it. So I'm looking forward mm. to that light bulb moment if it ever comes. Who knows if we'll ever even meet this character in the next book. Uh, maybe he's done after this book. Maybe he'll die at the end of book one. <laughs> Let the plot thickens. Yeah. I wouldn't put it past Steve, you know. <laughs> Me either. Um, so Josh, they, uh, you know, they encounter, there, there's, a, there's a bit of a conflict, Bareth argues, you know, and they're like, what should we do, blah, 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 then they get attacked and they're kind of let off the plateau and they ride into town and the battle happens and it goes terribly. <laughs> um, they really fully botched it, you know, fully moronic decision. Granted, yeah. there's well, how only did two hit of you them this? and a group of dogs. Yeah. Yeah. It's like we got, it's like I got me, my two friends, a bunch of dogs. Yeah. Let's, Let's do this it. Down this is murder everyone. So, but, so the first thing I want to say is um, I was very, very relieved when it is finally revealed that uh, the Tablor, specifically the tribe that Karsa is from, are just a bunch of real biggins. And mm. so humans are smaller than them and they call them children. That was yeah, a relief yeah, yeah. because this whole time I've spent, I spent the whole first chapter and a half being like, why does his grandpa take so much pride in slaughtering children? And why is that what Carso wants to do? And I was very happy to find out that they meant just humans. That was good. Well, I think he also kills some actual children. Yeah, he Let's does, be very he clear. Calls, he calls all people, all humans. He just calls them children. So I was very happy to, to hear about that. I didn't know that. Yeah. So thank you. I, I, you're welcome. But uh, I, I want to say that this battle fully encapsulates what you need to know about Carso Orlong. Um, it is that he is very strong and capable, but as strong and capable as he is, he is also dumb as a fucking brick. He's a um, moron. And self-confident. So, like, when he jumped his horse over the wall, I was like, you're, this is gonna go bad. Like, it's, there's no end game here. There's no escape plan. You idiot. I like how they get out from behind the rock. They see that there's too many people. They see there's a like, whole Bum. fucking town with a wall. And they're like, They're All like, right. well, let's keep going. Sounds good. Let's do it. Carson literally goes from thinking, all right, I'm going to kill like 30. And then he sees this and he goes, all right, I guess we'll need to kill more people. Ah, sword time. Oh, God, um, stupid. What's all? We haven't even talked about it. I guess their whole thing is also that they have a tree that makes an oil that not only makes them invincible warriors but also uh, yeah you know lust lustful you know perverts and also makes their wooden swords sharp like what a weird trio that thing can do uh i think that so the blood oil is what yes. we're talking about yeah uh, i think one is extremely cool that they just put it over a wooden sword and it makes it like really really sharp and fills in all dents and stuff like that fucking rules that's so it, cool yes yes but sure. I also think this is the same liquid from that Bocalane Corbel Brooch. Novel. Is it? Is it from? I wondered because of the lust thing. It, it it is the same liquid, and I wanted to note at the time, but I knew we were going to read this so soon. I just left it to kind of be discussed now. Gotcha. Yeah. So I thought it was kind of a fun Easter egg in that novella. Yeah, it was, yeah. yeah it's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Hey, I, think I don't the know way, what you um, guys are talking about. Sorry, and. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't know. I think I think it is fun. I like how it's used with the sword. I don't like how it's used in discussion with the sexual assault. So, oh, like, yeah, no. I think that's kind of beat, you know? I don't understand what it is. It's an oil from a tree, and it either sharpens a blade or makes you so full of lust that you can't help but rape people, basically. However, theoretically... Ah. 
theoretically, if the I, other person gets a drop of it on their lips, they are also filled with lust and therefore see, consent. That's it. Don't, don't care about the theoretical, Josh. I do not care about that. But not see, like, that. that's bad. That's j bad, too. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. just... Who... Is this so. a man-made thing? No, or? it's from it's from the trees that are in the Tebler Plateau. I see. Okay. Move it. Okay. Got it. It's, I'm so glad you guys brought that up because I was going to ask afterward anyway. Um, so, uh, Inge, we, uh, during the battle, uh, we see Delam get cut down. We see Barith get killed. And most importantly, and, uh, the horses. The oh, horses. So many horse deaths. Kills me every time. Never gets easier. And then uh, Karsa ends up getting chained up and captured. Yes. Um, how'd you feel about this outcome? Did you feel like this is where we were going? I definitely... Okay, so in the first uh, chapter and of the beginning of the second one, I was like, wow, it's really impressive that these three guys can just kill all these people and like be fine. Like, how are they so mm -hmm. good? And then when they were going to go into the town, I was like, right, well, this is going to be a real testament of if they're actually as deadly as I think they are based on how they're being portrayed right now. And gladly, they are not. Um, so I was happy when they got when he got captured. I was sad when the other guy died because like, I really don't think he was a bad guy. Like, I don't think he wanted to be a bad guy. I just think, you know, he was just mm -hmm. following. He, I, I just felt bad, kind of. Not going to lie. I agree. I felt a little bad, but also he is like a major murderer and rapist. So like, I don't, Did you he? know. Yeah. Weighing both things, you know. That's true. You can't be. You, I can't. I can't. You're right. Yeah. Fuck Bayrock. You can. They're not mutually exclusive. Yeah. But just making note, you know. I want to say. I, I think Bayrock is my least favorite of the three because he has the brain and to be independent, and he just doesn't. Like he That's is true. a smart, capable dude. I don't know why he went. Also, he could probably with that fuck. Which, by the way, we didn't even talk about the bear skull, the coolest fucking weapon to ever oh, be yeah. a thing. I mean, if he hits Carson with that, it's over. So, like, I mean, I do know what you mean. That like he is giving Carson shit and like pushing him back yeah. on like Carson's dumb ideas. And sometimes I, to me, to me, that and feels then worse. at the end, he's like, "All right, sure, let's keep going." It, it feels worse to me because Carson is so dumb he doesn't understand what he's doing is bad. I really think Bayroth does. I, I I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if I, that's it. I don't know if I would characterize it that way. But because Carson definitely believes in that, like this is his path to like, and that he should I be doing know. it. And I think Bayroth has enough doubts that like he should be like, hey, you know what? No, I'm. I don't want to be involved in these terrible acts. I love the conversation when Bayroth is like, your dad seems like he's got things figured out. Yes. You should be more like your dad. Yes. And then the next step is Bayroth go home. Yeah. Mm. Ugh. And then uh, Inge, Carson ends up, uh, they kind of talk to some slavers, and he has been sleep pit, mm -hmm. and he meets Torvald Nam, who helps him free. And how did, what struck you about Torvald Nam? What do you mean? Do you know who he is related to? The name sounded familiar. He's from Darugistan. Nam. Uh-huh. You, you got just, it. Just, Nam. Josh is turning into a quiz show all of a sudden. <laughs> I don't, I don't remember. And I knew it sounded familiar. And I was like, I just got a I, 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 I think, is he I, the, he's either the brother or cousin of Ralik Nam. Yes. Assassin. Oh, that's the guy. I didn't know that they were related. I just thought they had the same last name and or name. Uh, Nam. Are they brothers or cousins? I feel like he says something that makes me feel like he definitely mentions Ralik, but not by name. Ralik was the good fighter or was he like a mage? He's the assassin. He was an, he was an assassin. So a Him fighter. Him and Vorkan. Yeah, they're the two that are in the dead house. 
No, not the dead house. They're, yeah. the, they're the two that are in the uh, the one that's Azaz. the thinnest house. Thinnest yeah. house. Yeah, yeah Azaz house. Yeah. Um, wow. What a cute little book this is turning out to be so far. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love Torvald Nam. I love meeting him here. He's a character I adore, I like how so. he's like, kill us all. And then like he gets in the water. He's like, wait, wait, I'm, I'm good, actually. Just, you've killed my yeah. two good friends, but I'm good. He's just like a classic, like, almost like huckster, like, yeah. music man type persona I'm, in my head. I Jimmy. really hope, because they say he's been captured again. I really hope that he gets, like, all, he gets, like, chained up by, like, Carsa, and they're just, like, they become buds. That'd be cool. And then, Josh, I love that they get out together. He's yeah. like, all right, let's dip. And Cars is like, no, <laughs> this is the beginning What do you of- mean, leave? We have to get revenge and kill everyone zero, still. Zero part of me was surprised. And also, like, he gets captured. Spoiler, he gets captured. But it was like, of course he gets captured. Like, of course this is where this goes. Of course. He can't go anywhere else. He can't go back to the plateau. So, yeah, he gets captured by Malazans. And, we, you know, we're encountering the Empire, you know? So, and then we hear maybe what's going to happen to his fate. And then he kind of gets weak on the internet. So, um, what do you, what do you think? What do you, where, where do you think we're headed with all this? You know, like that, I guess that's where I'd be curious to know, you know? Well, we are currently, if I'm not mistaken, about two years behind where we start gardens of the moon. Maybe, maybe just a few months. We are in the past. Yes. Well, they have, they are currently sieging pale. And I know that pale is sieged for quite a while before like yeah. the opening moments of gardens of the moon. So, okay, so Peter, your question was where we go from here. I have just, no- I'm, we're just, we're, what's your, imp- like, wh- I guess here's my, like, why do you think this is wh- where the story is starting? I have to assume that maybe Carsa could end up at the Otatero mines. Know that the Otatero mines are attached or on an island off the coast of seven cities. So it is possible that that is where Carsa ends up. And, you know, with things taking time, it's possible that he is in the Otatero mines at the same time as Felicin, Haboric, and uh, other guy, Bowden, right? So it is possible that in their escape, he also escapes, but we just never see him dead house case. I don't know. That seems like that feels like the logical reason why we've heard Otatero mines and it's this current timeline. But like, I don't know that. And we know we're going to end up in Seven City for the most of this book. And your hand shot up. What's up? I just feel like he is a part of something that was in that book that we read before. Dead house gates? (laughs) That is a cold take (laughs) in. That is what I'm saying. I feel like he, he is a part of this rebellion, man. I don't know why. I just, mm. I just, where? I can't, I, I don't, and I feel like he's going to end up being some third party to it, you know? Right. I don't yeah. know. Do you think he could be a Trell? Maybe he's a Trell. Ooh. Who is or maybe like a descendant of a Trell? all the kids in the other book. I feel like uh, he's with him. Oh no, that's the, that's that shitty renegade. Uh, I feel like they're him. all together. The, the renegade fist. Corblo Dom. Yeah, Corblo Dom. They're boys. I don't know when they meet, but they become boys. I wonder if Car. I don't know, man. Carsa. I just made it up. Mm. <laughs> I could. I don't know. I mean, if he's got to be somewhere, we're. If he, I'm gonna put my foot down right now. If he is introduced and the whole first book of this book is about him, but then he doesn't come back the rest of the book, I will be fucking pissed. I won't be surprised. But it is classic Erickson to do shit like that, to just be like, hey, what's form? Never heard of it. I will say, I do think, I feel like you were a bit robbed because uh, uh, Steve mentioned that it opens with this new character, right? Yes. Mm-hmm, when mm-hmm. we interviewed him. We're like, I opened up this book, you know? And it's like, you finished Memories Ice. And it's like, time for the next installment of the Seven Cities thing. And you're, for just like, 
you know, th- 200 pages, 250 pages. You're just like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> I got to be honest you know with mean? you, Peter. I would say you have to, if you've gotten through the first three books and are surprised that the fourth one opens up with a brand new character that feels like it relates to nothing, I don't know what you did for the first three books. Because it's no, it, I, like... I, it is like all he does is set you up to be like, nah, nah, fuck those guys. You know, here's that new. But shit. I feel, but I feel like it's just almost, it's like more and more audacious. I mean, it's like, yeah, yeah. But now we're getting back. You, you thought you were feeling a groove. Wrong. Now we're gonna spend 250 pages on a dude you've never heard about because that's what that's what Steve did. No, Steve do it his weird way. I disagree. I, I, I think this is this is going to be. I am calling it now. He is a central character of this book. We don't know why, but I'm going to say I think that we all, this is going to be a hot, hot take, and I'm going to be embarrassed if I'm wrong. So okay. I don't, if I'm wrong, I don't want to bring it up again. <laughs> okay. We already know this character, and we don't know him okay. by name. Mm, that'd be something. So I think that this is the backstory of someone we already know. All right, I'm going to take mm. a hot take. Um, <laughs> all right, it's, it's getting hot. In my I'm hot like take. sweating about it. I'm like embarrassed. My <laughs> hot take, India. I'm going to give you the smallest of spoilers because I read the, the, the what's the cast list called in all these things? The Dramatis the, Personae. The dramatis Personae. The dude in the, in the prologue is a Tista Eater and maybe Steve is setting us up so that when we meet the Tisty Eater, we aren't meeting a whole, we have a character through whom we have all, whose eyes we've already seen. And maybe Carso will be our like folk, our point of like recognition when we get to the Tisty Eater shit. That is a very probably incorrect thing, but we'll see. I think if you think Carso would be our main point of contact in the Tisty Eater, you're a fool. You okay. would just be someone we meet in like the background of one scene while we're meeting the Tisty Eater and be like, oh, this is Carso. And then yeah. we move on. <laughs> probably. I just, if he's going to these, oh God, like if he's going to, the, he has to be a part you of this rebellion. Stoked, he has to be a part of it because there's no reason that he's going to the exact place where it started if he's not. I don't know. We're going to have to see. Yeah. Why am it's, I excited? It's hot in here. Yeah, and, and I got to say, I love this energy. I am, I'm Fireworks excited. are going off. I'm embarrassed to be so excited about what's what's happening, you know? like what? Yeah, so, so how'd you guys how'd you guys just feel about this opening? You know, it's Loved easy it. to, like, dunk on him because he's such a loathsome person. I, you know, I think it's effective. I hate him, but it is an effective opening. I think that Steve is a, is a, he's just, he's just a masterpiece of a person because, like, <laughs> what? Like, who does this? And then, like, to make a character so horrible, but you have to read from his point of view, so, like, you really, like, yeah, he sucks, and yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, this character's terrible and awful and, like, horrendous, but, like, you're reading from his point of view, and you're like, well, I have no choice, you gotta relate, because it's his point of view, it's really weird, it's a weird, weird mindfuck thing going on here. It's very interesting, and I'm stoked to read the second half of this uh, book one, which, you know, I feel like there's just a lot, going to be a lot more to dive into before we get into the rest of the book. Um, so, with that said, sorry, wait. Never- well, I was just going to say before we wrap up talking about chapter two, I just wanted to talk about the very, very end uh, when uh, Kindly asks the mage what he used to capture Karsa. And sure. he's like, oh, yeah, it's usually a, uh, a snare we use to stun Dinrabi. And they're like, the giant sea worms? And he's like, oh, yeah. And Carson's like, I, he's like, he didn't understand what they were talking about. But Carson, the pain had, had faded from Carson a while ago. Yeah, whatever the fuck like, the Templar the are, fuck? whatever the fuck they are is terrifying. Hmm. So I just wanted to bring that up because it made me laugh a lot. Another thing we'll have to find out because I already know. Oh. Get it? <laughs> 
<laughs> no one laughs. Peter, I'm getting, I'm getting a little sick of your I already read the books jokes. <laughs> Keep rubbing it in. I know, I'm just saying like, I know, you know? Mm-hmm. You do know. I've repeated the same joke. You didn't laugh. <laughs> that usually helps. <laughs> anyway, um, that's it for opening House of Chains. You can let us know what you think of the show. Uh, we're 10 Very Big Books on Gmail and Twitter. And uh, we'll be back with uh, the end of book one. I think it's chapters three and four of uh, Faces in the Rock. Looking forward to our conversation. And until then. Oh, my guys, I didn't tell you. You ready? I'm ready. I was thinking. Our outros are so bad and inconsistent, <laughs> yep. you know? I'm thinking we should have a good outro, like, we're done, you know? How do you think about ending the show by saying love each other? Like Ellen DeGeneres does. <laughs> does Ellen DeGeneres say that? <laughs> yeah. Oh, or she says can't... be kind to each other. She says be kind to oh, each other. Oh, okay. Well, we can't, we can't, st- we, we, I, I, I'm just, I, 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 we gotta do something, you know? And I want it to be... Positive. <laughs> I don't want it to be positive. I don't know. We shouldn't have had this meeting on air. Yeah, we, but we don't have answers on air. This is a bad idea. And with that, we'll throw it to AJ to outro us. Even though he's he's been here the whole time. Yeah. AJ, how'd it feel to get in this to get in this big pool? It was great. You know? It was really nice for me to be able to bring my takes uh, live on air. Mm. So, um, can we hit stop? All right. Um, <laughs> can we hit stop yet? See ya. Bye, Bye. guys. Hello, everyone. Producer AJ here. Happy to finally be able to give my input live on the show. Uh, Like the gang said in the very beginning of the show, we now have a Patreon. This is something Pete and I talked about uh, since the beginning, but honestly, we didn't think it would be something we felt comfortable doing until like season six-ish. So thank you so much uh, for making us feel like we have the community backing uh, to make us comfortable to launch it way ahead of schedule. Uh, Just a little bit about the tiers. There are four backer tiers, one, three, five, and $10 per month, all of which includes at least one bonus pod release the second-ish week of every month, along with a unique Discord role for each tier. As we move up, you get access to Peter's script notes before we record an episode, where you'll be able to give notes in a private Discord channel, uh, access to a folder with uh, phone backgrounds of all the season art created by the one and only Dan Gesrick, uh, all of which can be resized at your request. And topping it off at $10, you'll be invited to a private Discord channel where you'll be able to suggest nicknames for Josh uh, for Peter to call him at the beginning of every episode. The basic gist of why we made this Patreon is because we want to be able to do more in every way. We'll use the funds from this page to pay Dan for making our art, Amaranthan for allowing us to use his music, uh, myself for editing the show, and any additional expenses, including new equipment for higher quality recording, new books, you know, stuff like that. Uh, you can check out all the tiers and the rewards more in depth at patreon.com slash 10verybigbooks, which is also linked in the show notes. And of course, none of this would be possible without you, and we really, really, truly will never be able to thank you enough. As India also said at the top of the show, this month's Patreon bonus episode will be a discussion with Peter about the first Lord of the Rings film, which she has never seen. Uh, of course, you can always tweet us your thoughts and feelings about the show at 10 Very Big Books, or you can email us at 10 Very Big Books at gmail.com, or you can join our community Discord by heading to bit.ly slash VBB Discord. That's capital V, capital B, capital B, capital D Discord. The link will also be in the show notes. And as Always, thank you so very much to Dan Gesrick for making our spectacular logo. You can follow him on Twitter at Dan Gesrick for an absolute onslaught of hockey tweets. And of course, the wonderful music in this episode is from Amaranthan's album Simulant Rain, which you can find along with their other music on bandcamp.com. Links to their pages will be in the show notes and 10 very big books. We'll be back in two weeks on July 17th, talking about House of Chains, chapters three and four. Uh, I'll talk to you then. And thank you so much for listening.
India, do you follow Ellen on Twitter? Yeah. <laughs> Are you an Ellen fan? Yeah. <laughs> I love Ellen. <laughs> yeah. Incredible. I follow Ellen on every She's pretty platform. charming. I'm trying on to come up platform? with like a fun nickname for Ellen fans. I've only got Ellen DeGenerals or, oh, DeGenerals is good, or Felons, which doesn't feel good. Both both of these are bad. I never know. Ellen's DeGenerates. Ah, <laughs> oh, God. 